Hi, this is the Cancer Liberation Project podcast. If you've been touched by cancer and have some fear around remaining healthy, you are in the right place. As a 20-year-plus cancer survivor, Haley knows how unsettling it can be to not only hear the words, you have cancer, but also the uncertainty and fear that comes when you have been declared cancer-free. The Cancer Liberation Project was born out of Haley's desire to make cancer less scary for people, to give people hope that they can not only heal from cancer, but live their best, most vibrant life after cancer. Get ready to be inspired with your host, Haley Dubin. Hi, and welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. Today, I sit down with Sharon Brock. Sharon is a breast cancer survivor, UCLA-trained certified mindfulness teacher, and best-selling author of the book, The Lovey Method, Mindfulness Meditation for Breast Cancer. In this teaching memoir, Sharon shares her personal story of using the Lovey Method, a five-step mindfulness tool to manage anxiety, anger, and depression during breast cancer treatment. The book includes meditations for support during and after chemotherapy and post-surgery for pain management and optimal healing, making the book both a heartfelt memoir and a practical guide. I look forward to sharing my conversation with Sharon, but before I do, just a couple things to mention. First, a reminder to head over to my website at revivewellness.com to get your free seven top tips to keep cancer away and feel confident in your body again. That's R-E-V-I-V-E wellness.com. And second, I want to take a moment to thank the Carl Felt Center, who makes this show possible. Hi, Sharon. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. I'm really looking forward to talking to you today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Now, you know, first, I would love to hear just a little of your background and your journey with cancer. Sure, sure. So I I live in San Francisco and currently, um, but in 2018, I was 44 years old and I was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer. And it was really a shock because I was a health journalist and a yoga teacher and a meditation teacher. And it, I mean, I had written countless articles on how to prevent cancer. And here I was the healer who was then sick. And it was incredibly jarring for my identity and, and it was for the first time in my life, being only 44, I felt the fear of death. And, and that was really intense, you know, but having these tools, I had a lot of tools in my toolbox being, you know, a wellness practitioner and teacher. So I just put those tools to use essentially for this fear that I was dealing with this anxiety. Uh, you know, it's amazing how often I hear that, that, that someone is in the health and wellness field, and then they do get a diagnosis like that. And it's like, oh my gosh, I thought I was doing all these things right, you know, but it's definitely a learning curve. Yes, that's right. And and I was wondering with your background with mindfulness, how did that help you through treatments? So obviously these treatments, chemotherapy, it's surgery. It's so scary. It's, it's so scary that the, what if part of the mind just goes into overdrive. I talk about it in my book. It's, I talk about it as the, what if software 
and it gets, you know, turned on. And what if this happens? What if my side effects are unbearable? What if it doesn't work? I mean, all you, we naturally just go to the worst case scenario. And I also have a neuroscience background. So I knew that like, when I think about evolution and the evolution of the brain, that that actually is what helped us survive as a species to say, what if, what if, what if, what if. So our brains are actually evolved for our survival, but not for our happiness. Right. And so we just immediately go to the worst case scenario really because that's what helped us to survive when we were like cave people right 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 but it it certainly is not rooted in reality right and um what mindfulness did was help me to rather than be in that what if anxiety it helped me to observe it and create a little spaciousness with that with that fear and with those thoughts And, you know, just really bring some discernment. Like, what is the reality here? Like, is that an actual possibility? And if it is, how, how can I, you know, use my wisdom and like the the prefrontal cortex and not just the amygdala, the fear, fear part of my brain to figure out how I can manage whatever outcome happens. So that's how mindfulness helped me through the process. Oh, that's amazing. And, and did it help? Did your practice help you with the side effects of treatment? Okay. So this, this is the most astonishing, surprising part of this entire experience. Like it's like an experiment, like bringing mindfulness to a year of breast cancer treatment, right? That's basically what my book is about. I was doing mindfulness for my mental health, for my emotional health. And Completely to my surprise, it also improved my physical health. Meaning, I my side effects were were lessened. And my my doctor said, my oncologist said, unfortunately, your side effects are going to get worse because it's cumulative in the body. It like build the chemo builds in your system, and the side effects typically get worse and worse. The more that the more treatments you have, and I'm sorry, how many treatments did you have? Well, I had um, I had HER2 breast cancer, so I had chemotherapy every three weeks for a year. Okay, and so the first six treatments were the hardest, like the most potent chemicals, and then the latter seventeen were, um, you know, lighter side effects, not as harsh, and so it was really for those first six that. I was buckling down with my practice, right? Yes. And just for hours a day, just observe, observe the the pain. And in my book and on my website, I have a, an audio meditation working with pain specifically. And essentially what mindfulness does when you're working with physical pain, again, it just creates that spaciousness rather than being in the pain, you're observing the pain. And just the act of observing it actually reduces it a little bit, which was so phenomenal. Like I, like I'd heard of this and I'd read the other books about it, but it wasn't until I experienced it myself that here I was after my sixth chemo that was supposed to have the worst side effects 
I didn't have any. Incredible. And, and you know, people are so afraid of being nauseous. Oh, yeah. And I was wondering, so it helped with that too? Oh, goodness. Yes, absolutely. And with the nausea, I was able to take kind of with each side effect. I I treated each one, um, I don't know, differently with more discernment. But nausea, I was able to manage it with mindfulness and with a homeopathic remedy, like a a pill rather than a pharmaceutical, which I was trying to take as little pharmaceutical as possible. Not that they're bad or wrong. Like I am grateful for pharmaceuticals, but my I am here today. I'm alive because of it. So I I don't necessarily put it down. But at the same time, my body was already had so much, so many chemicals. Like wh- where can I reduce it? Right. Exactly. And so luckily with nausea. In my case, and I know it's different for everyone. I was able to take, oh gosh, I don't remember it right now. I can I can get back to you on that. Oh yeah, sure, sure. But the mindfulness really helped with the nausea because I was able to A, observe it rather than be in it and accept it and think, okay, this is what's happening right now. I'm accepting it rather than resisting it. And that's a big part of my book is... Um, So my book is The Lovey Method, and the second E is equanimity. And essentially what equanimity means is you're accepting what is, whatever is happening, rather than resisting whatever is happening. So rather than saying, I'm wishing this was different. I'm wishing I didn't have nausea right now. I hate this. Like, why do I have to be nauseous again, right? Just accepting it. Okay. The nausea is here. I'm accepting it just as it is. Right. And so you're not like adding more, like the resistance just adds more suffering. Yes. To the original problem. Makes so much sense. Yeah. And yeah, I wanted to ask you about what led you to write the Lovey Method. And I would love to hear, you know, what each letter stands for. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, as a professional health journalist and a meditation teacher, And then I was diagnosed with this illness that affects, God, nearly 400,000 U.S. American, U.S. women now a year. Mm. I wrote the book. It was 300,000. I'm sure it's more now. And I just thought, like, I have to write this book. It's my duty, right? I have the skills, the writing skills. I have the meditation skills. And now I am a part of this sisterhood who has to go through this, this um, initiation and how can I help, mm-hmm. you know? And I, and I learned these tools that through the process of going through chemo and, and dealing with the fear and uh, what do they say? Necessity is the mother of invention. So it was my own fear. Like I, I couldn't help it, but to hone my mindfulness skills because my anxiety was that high. And anyone who's been diagnosed understands what that means. You have to have those coping skills. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So when I discovered things that worked, I was like, all right, I'm going to write this all down and help other women going through it. That's amazing. And this is what this podcast is about, you know? That's right. Survivors that are helping others and as well as practitioners that are thinking outside the box. But yeah, if we could go into the lovey method, I think it's so, it's really cool. Oh, thank you. 
Thank you. Yeah. So, so that's, what's funny too. So I, uh, in terms of where Levy came from, I was, I didn't know the title of the book for at least two months or so of treatment and my own practice and writing out scenes and more just kind of like just writing more as a cathartic experience for me and a healing for me. And I was just going to see later what would go into the book and what, what wouldn't that kind of idea. And then one night I woke up in the middle of the night and I sat up in my bed and I said, it spells love. Like, <laughs> it's like, <"Kunk."> perfect. <laughs> like the practices that worked the best spelled love. And I don't know if that was like sent from an angel or like, I have no idea, but it was in the middle of the night and it was thrilling and it just felt like, okay, I'm not alone in writing this thing. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. It was a really fun experience. So uh, what it stands for is, um, so L-O-V-E-E is um, the acronym for five mindfulness practices that you do in that order when you feel like really intense anxiety or really intense anger or really intense sadness and depression as well. So when you're working with these challenging emotions, you can put it into, I call it the loving machine. And then you come out with more equanimity at the end. So I'm happy to walk you through this. So quite often right after a diagnosis, it's anxiety is what we feel. The fear of death is triggered within us. So you can sit on your meditation, you know, chair, pillow, and just go through the process. So L stands for label. So you would label it. Anxiety is here. You're just putting a label onto it. And that just that alone creates a little bit of space between you and the emotion. So it's kind of accepting what's happening. No, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Okay. So just labeling it, just straight out labeling it. Yeah. Cause you're not ready to accept at that point. Okay. Oh no. Cause if you tried to accept it, oh, I'm scared. And this is my diagnosis. This is just what it is. It's not authentic at that time. Right. Okay. You have to tend to that emotion first. Okay. That emotion is important because otherwise they call it what spiritual bypass is what they call that. When you just kind of jump like, okay, I, I'm fine. I'm fine. I get it. I get it. Everything's fine. Oh yeah. So I meant when I accept yeah. I'm feeling fair, like, like acknowledging the fair. Is that what? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Acknowledging it. That's a great way to say it. Got it. Yeah, that's right. So, and it also, it just helps when you label it, it helps to not identify with it. So rather than saying, I am scared, you would say fear is here. The energy of fear, the energy of anxiety is here in my mind, in my body. Got it. Yeah. So that's L for label. O is observing it in the body. So our emotions are felt as sensations in our body. So quite often, if it's anger, quite often it's like in the jaw, like a tension or a heat. If it's anxiety, quite often it's in, it's in our gut. Like we'll get a stomach ache, like a constriction in the gut. Sadness is quite often in the heart area, but it, it can be throughout. I'm just saying that because everyone relates to like, I have a stomach ache. It means I'm anxious kind of idea, right? Right. 
that's what O is that is you're just observing it in your body or like just letting it be there. And then V is for valuing that emotion. You can actually value it because it's there to tell you something, right? Let's say you're angry. You know, this anger is telling you that a boundary has been crossed or there's some injustice that doesn't work for you. You know, or for it's anxiety, you're saying, I'm not comfortable in what's what's happening right now, right? It's okay. Because quite often, so what the V for value is all about is we typically judge ourselves for feeling a certain way or feeling one of these three emotions of anxiety, anger, or sadness, like as if they're wrong or bad or something to avoid. But the, uh, the value section really just reminds you that Oh, these these emotions are okay. They're actually valuable in our life. And the second reason why they're valuable to us is that they're part of the human condition. Therefore, they connect us to everyone else in the world. <laughs> that are feeling the same way. We're not alone. And, and it also, with breast cancer specific, it's connecting us to the sisterhood of other women going through this. Like, I am not alone in feeling this anxiety and other people would feel the same way if they got this diagnosis in this situation. It kind of normalizes the experience, okay? which is so key because again, by just judging ourselves for being, being anxious or angry or however, it, it just pushes it under the rug and then it comes out in other ways anyway, right? So this is a way to just let it be there, let it flesh out because every emotion it's just an energy in motion. We don't have to identify with it. It's just, you know, anxiety has a certain frequency. It's running through us. Anger certainly has a certain frequency, right? So we can just let it be there and let it go through the loving machine. Got it. Okay. So yeah, by value, just quick, quick question. So by valuing it, are you almost saying there's like a, a benefit to it? you know, to feeling the anxiety or the fear? Can there be some sort of benefit? Well, mainly the benefit is, is that it has, you would say, what are, why are you here? What are you here to tell me? Mm -hmm. And then that just increases your self-awareness. Like, for example, I lived in big cities for a big part of my life and my nervous system was not happy. <laughs> and that's before I had lovey, right? And so now... If I would go through the loving machine and anxious in all the crowds and cities, the value is like, oh, wait, my nervous system doesn't work in big crowds. That makes sense. Do you see it just it's valuable because it it gives you information about what works for you. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I just feel like self-awareness is um, it's just a, a journey in all of our lives that's important. And so learning what works for us and then the learning the skills to communicate that to others, right. In terms of needs and boundaries and yeah. Right. That's right. And communicating that in a kind way. I feel like that's like my, every single day I work on that skill. Yeah. I think a lot of us need to, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I will say it was during my cancer journey that I learned how to love myself truly and what works, what works for me, my body, my mind, and what doesn't. 
and learning how to, to ask for that. That is so true. I felt the exact same way. Yeah. Like really learning the difference between self-care and self-love. Right. Yeah. I think people have a lot of trouble with, with self-love. Yeah, that's right. And, or feeling like apologetic for asking for what they need and things like that. You know, in the end, if you don't ask for it, the people around you won't know. Right. And they want to help. They want to do something. Yeah, they do. They do. And if they don't, then maybe they shouldn't be the people around you. I don't know. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That, I think that's how good, strong relationships happen is by understanding what each other needs and then honoring that. The tumor is only a symptom of cancer, not the cause. Hello, I'm Dr. Michael Carlfeld. I'm the owner of the Carlfeld Center in Meridian, Idaho. We specialize in cutting-edge integrative oncology care, addressing the cause and not just the symptom of cancer. There are 11 factors you need to address when diagnosed with cancer. To learn more of what they are, get my free ebook when you visit thecarfulcenter.com. Along with the ebook, I will email you a free webinar series where world-renowned specialists will tell you what you need to do to address these 11 factors. You'll hear from experts like Jane McLellan, Dr. Paul Anderson, Dr. Neil McKinney, Dr. William Lee, Dr. Nasha Winters, and Dr. Isaac Elias. Don't miss out on this life-saving information. I also offer a free 15-minute cancer consult where we can go over where you are at in your cancer journey and how the cutting-edge therapies we offer can benefit you. Give the Carful Center call at 208-338-8902 or visit our website at thecarfulcenter.com. And then E, what is that? Yes. Oh my gosh. So speaking of self-love, the first E is actually all about self-love. So it's, it's a mindful self-compassion practice, um, which is a trademarked um, training that I, that I'm currently um, trained to teach MSC, mindful self-compassion. Um, it comes from a researcher named Kristen Neff, and her work just completely changed my life. And I took this MSC three times during my <laughs> cancer treatment because it was so powerful. And again, it learned I taught I I learned how to love my thoughts and emotions. And like I really learned how to love myself. And rather than, you know, be ashamed or of certain thoughts or emotions or push them away or pretend that they aren't there. I learned how to embrace them. And that's what the first E is, E for embrace. So essentially, if you go back to the lovey machine, you've labeled it, anxiety is here. I'm observing the anxiety as a sensation in the body. I'm valuing that anxiety. It's giving me good information. It's reminding me that I'm not alone. First E is you take that anxiety and you give it a hug, you give it an embrace, like it's a little child. And you say, come here, sweetheart. I see you. I hear you. I understand. It's really scary what you're going through. I get it. It's okay. You know? That's so nice. Because it just, it makes you feel good. And like, you're acknowledging yeah. your, your feelings. You, Yeah, I love that. So you're really nurturing yourself really nurturing yourself. And 
the most important thing of the entire levy process is the what comes next. And you ask that little anxiety, what do you need? And then you give it to it. So it might say like, I need safety. And then you say, I will keep you safe. I will protect you. You know, like I will talk, I will advocate for you with the doctors and nurses. I will, what, what is it that you need right now to keep you safe so that you feel safe? And then you kind of have that little dialogue with your anxiety and it's, it's life-changing truly. Ah, it it sounds it. I mean, just sitting here listening, it, it it puts me at ease. Yeah. And so I, I made a, a promise to like my little one or however you want to say it, that I will always protect her and I will always create situations in my life where she feels safe. So meaning like, where do I choose to live? What kind of job do I have? You know, who do I date? Like all of these things. What kind of friends do I surround myself with? You know, I check in, like, does this feel safe? Does this feel good? What do you need? I never did this pre-cancer, you know? Right. I was like independent. I got this, whatever. But now it's like, no, it's it's a real thing to be a source of safety for yourself. So true. Yeah. And I think people are living in fear of so many things before they get a diagnosis before, you know, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Did I pick the right career, the right relationship? And so we're running around with fearful thoughts a lot. The what if software. Yes. Constant hum of the what if, what if. Yeah, that's right. And that's why lovey is appropriate for those folks too. So pre-diagnosis, let's say it runs in your family, that kind of thing. You can label it, what if software is here? Where do I feel it in my body? Other people who have this genetic predisposition, we all feel the same fear. It normalizes it. It's okay. You know, embrace it, give it what it needs. I will protect you. What does that mean? It means I'll get screened every six months. You know, that's what it means. It means that I change my diet. It means that I, you know, move away from toxic people. Right. right. Looking at what you really need. What does this energy really need? Mm. Yeah. So the last E you did talk about first, the equanimity. Yeah. Right. And you have a phrase, right? Yes. I would love to hear that because I think it will help a lot of people. Oh gosh. Yes. Okay. So again, L-O-V-E, the first four steps are to tend to that anxiety. You're tending to it. So by the time that you're embracing it and saying, I got you, sweetheart, I will take care of you. I embrace you. That little emotion's like, ah, okay, right? And it's kind of integrated into the body. At that point, you can go to the final E, which is equanimity. But if your anxiety is still running really high, then just keep doing L-O-V-E because then you're not going to get to equanimity in a really authentic way, right? So first, Matt, like tend to that emotion. It's important. Like take care of your baby, you know? Yes, makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. And then the final E, so once the emotion is uh, soothed and processed, you can go to the final E, which means that you think about the situation that triggered the anxiety to begin with. So let's say it's a diagnosis 
to cultivate equanimity is to cultivate acceptance of what is. So equanimity just means balanced mind, non-reactivity, no resistance, not wishing things were different. So the phrase, the equanimity phrase is, things are as they are, may I accept things just as they are. Things are as they are, may I accept things just as they are. So that could be the diagnosis, that could be the genetic predisposition, it is what it is, I accept it just as it is. And the thing is with mantra work is you have, to, and this goes back to neuroscience, you have to say the mantra like a million times before you actually believe it. Because what you're doing is you're actually creating those neural pathways in the brain. You're actually creating those grooves. So that's that's what mantra work is. If anyone like knows what mala beads are or rosary beads, like the idea is that you repeat it 108 times and then you finally hopefully infuse that energy an, as an actual belief that okay I'm just accepting this just as it is and then from there they've actually done some research some brain research on this that you shift from your amygdala to your prefrontal cortex which is like the site of equanimity you know so from there you can you know, proceed, move forward with your rational brain, rational part of your brain, reasoning, wisdom, you know, you can actually, creativity, you can actually solve some problems. Exactly. So critical thinking, really. Yeah. So essentially, when the part of the brain that is equanimous is the prefrontal cortex, which is the site of critical thinking, creativity, problem solving. So, and that's where you want to be when you're solving these really big problems, like a life-threatening illness, right? You know, you don't want to be operating from the lizard part of your brain, <laughs> which is the amygdala. Right. So basically you're, you're living, um, instead of your fear response, it, it's that, that calming yeah. parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah. Right. You're living in a calmer, more rational way. Yeah. So the parasympathetic is a little bit different. So I'm, I'm first just, just, um, talking about the brain. Um, but I'm happy to jump to parasympathetic, but I just want to kind of conclude that part of the brain in that you want to be making decisions and operating and like navigating life from your human brain and not your lizard brain. And lovey can get you there, right? Because your human brain, your prefrontal cortex is where equanimity lives. That's being equanimous. That's saying, okay, this is a hard situation. Let's solve this problem, right? That's equanimity, right? Calm, cool, and co collected, right? Versus the what if software is part of the amygdala. That's you know, the lizard brain, you know, so what part of your brain do you want to be solving these big problems in your life? Right. Right. Yeah. I think about that all the time. Like whenever I get triggered, I think, okay, do I want to be a lizard or do I want to be a human <laughs> right now? <laughs> right. It's a good way to make good decisions, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, that's great. 
And Levy gets you there. And another, I will say one last thing about that is that it helped me to become more active with the decision-making on my treatment, which I think was really empowering. So the fact that I was operating from my equanimous part of my brain, I could talk to my doctors about, okay, are there any alternatives? You know, what, you know, I had my wits about me. I could actually, how I claim it is my mind was on my healing team. Mm. Like I could be a part of my healing team. That's perfect. (laughs) Right. Because you get so afraid and you can't even think straight. Yeah. You're just like listening to them, but not really hearing them. Yeah, that's right. Which is also normal and fine as well. Oh, yeah. It's not like one way is better than the other. But that's why you bring someone with you, right? (laughs) Especially in the beginning. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, cancer teaches us so many things, but I was wondering what cancer taught you about yourself. Wow. Cancer taught me that I'm a badass. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. I really didn't know before. I really didn't know. There's this Bob Marley quote that I love. It says, gosh, if I can get it right, that you you don't know how strong you are until you don't have another choice but to be strong. And that that's what it was when I was when I was I was suffering at a level that was so high that I didn't have a choice but to really drop into my practice and drop into these tools that I had for coping and for emotional resilience. You know, and just learning what works for me in my body and my mind and and then being able to express that. I, I referred to this earlier. Um, I would say that's the biggest thing that I learned from my cancer journey is to pay attention if my body and mind aren't aren't okay with the environment that it's in, and then to be able to express those needs to really take care of myself. Yeah. That I'm the one responsible to take care of myself. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. So what would you tell someone that has recently been diagnosed with cancer? What I would tell someone recently diagnosed with cancer is that the fear and anxiety that they're feeling is completely normal and natural and they're not alone to recognize that that's a response from the nervous system. And it's this what if, what if software of the brain that is part of, you know, evolution to help us survive and to have that perspective to just keep breathing, like deep breathing, lots of meditation. Obviously, obviously my book would really help you know, having a a mindfulness coach, someone who knows these tools that can really help them navigate these emotions, you know, joining a course. Again, I advocate mindful self-compassion. I teach it myself. Yeah. I also have the Levy method as a course. I think, yeah, just getting some tools to help bring some perspective between you and this fear that's so gripping, that's overwhelming. And then just working with, you know, medical professionals that, that you trust. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's big. Yeah. You need to be with someone you're comfortable with for sure. For sure. And that makes you feel empowered. 
and at ease. Yeah. 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 Well, now it's time for random round. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. Sure. Fill in the blank. Freedom to you is freedom to me is full self-expression. The last show you binged and loved. I love Schitt's Creek. <laughs> I watched it so many times during the pandemic. They're Dan Levy, Annie Murphy. They're my friends. They're, I just love them so much. I yeah. loved it. So great. When you're feeling afraid, what do you do? I meditate. I love it up. That's what I say. <laughs> I love it up. If you could have a one hour discussion with someone past or present, who would it be and why? It would be Thich Nhat Hanh. I've read all of his books and he was incredibly inspiring to me. In fact, throughout my cancer journey, I had his tiny little book, No Mud, No Lotus, in my purse at all times. Mm. And oh, it, it just such a reminder that it's through the the pain and adversity that we grow. Mm. Yes. What is your favorite go-to snack? Potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> What's one simple thing that brings you joy? My puppy. Rosie, who's sitting here next to me. Oh, what's on your nightstand? Books. Yeah. What's your favorite form of exercise? Hiking in the redwoods. What's one thing you're really grateful for in your life right now? I'm grateful for my family and friends. And last, how can people find you and learn more? Oh, well, uh, you can find me on social media, Instagram and Facebook. I'm at Sharon Brock Mindfulness. And you can also go to my website, which is meditationforbreastcancer.com. And uh, I have free audio meditations that you can check it out. And, um, you know, as well as learn how to get the book as well. I have an audio book as well as an online course for Lovey. Perfect. Yeah. Well, Sharon, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Oh, thank and you. I know the listeners are going to get so much value. So thank you so much. So glad to hear that, of course. Thank you. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Doing so will really help this podcast get noticed and will help us to inspire more people. And remember, the sky is the limit when you take your power back when it comes to your health.